0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, January the 24th, 2022. It is currently 1129 a.m. Central Time, and here I sit once again in the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church right here in Ovalo, Texas. And once again, it's my privilege, it's my honor to be able to say, welcome to another week of Bible study. Yes, another week of Bible study as we do another Bible study exercise and we invite you to participate. I I ask of you, beg of you, plead with you, invite other people to participate. Remember the Bible study exercise. We take one passage of scripture. We spend an entire week looking at it. We also have memory verses for you to memorize using the Bible Memory app. We also have Bible study curriculum that is available to you. And then obviously all of the uh, podcast episodes are also available to you. All of that, the Bible Memory app, the curriculum, all of these episodes, Everything is free to you. Nothing is put behind a paywall. Everything is free to you. So please take advantage of it. Invite others to to be a part of it if you know people who want to really dig into the scriptures and engage in meaningful Bible study. So it's another week. I'm excited. I'm a little bit more excited. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Remember, Bible study One of the most important things required in Bible study is just being very open and honest, not only with the text, with yourself, being very transparent, right? That Bible study is spending a lot of time, not only with God's word, but it's spending a lot of time just being open and honest with yourself about what's going on with you spiritually. I mean, there's a lot that takes place within Bible study. But let me remind you, when I started yesterday, when I did our introduction to this week's Bible study exercise I I really didn't know what to say. Didn't really know. Okay, how am I going to approach this? And I I, I don't know if I have a a good plan yet finalized. I, I I'm still everything. This is uh, remember the Bible study exercises are. I like to do them in a sense in real time. Right? Uh, like I don't like this all planned out and polished and edited like it's a performance. I like this to be real. So. You know, when, when we do these Bible study exercises, I'm not just trying to get you to study. I, I'm involved in the exact same study. I'm right there with you. So I'm sitting here in an empty church and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what, what am I going to do with the text? What am I going to do with the text? What am I going to do with this, this subject? How am I going to approach it? And all of a sudden I realize, okay, I, at least I have an idea. For today. Right? I have an I, I don't know about tomorrow, but I have an idea today. So, so let me just remind you: this week we are studying Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 12, but we are really looking at the topic of temptation. And if you know Genesis chapter 39, that typically the, the Bible study curriculum and sermons and everyone, when they get to Genesis 39, they run directly to one specific thing that happens. And they talk about temptation in relation to that. But I I want us to understand temptation in a much more broader context. Let me show you what I mean. If you have a Bible, Genesis chapter 39, just so that you can see what I'm referring to here. Genesis chapter 39. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I'll reinforce this, all right? Genesis chapter 39, verse one. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought bought him uh, of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which he had brought, uh, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. Turning the page, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and made him overseer over his house and all that he had, he put into his hand and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in a house and over all that he had had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not aught uh, he had save the bread, which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and was well, and well favored. Here we go, verse seven and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph she said lie with me now whenever you turn to genesis 39 everyone will talk about temptation and everyone will talk about temptation as it relates to sexual sin Everyone will run to this and say, yes, Joseph is tempted here to have sex with his master's wife. He refuses, and we can learn much about resisting temptation when it comes to sexual sin. I am not saying that is a flawed application in any way, shape, or form. I'm not even criticizing sermons that put all of the emphasis emphasis there because it is necessary and it is needed. However, I think there is a a, a negative side effect because it reduces the concept of temptation in many cases and pe- in many people's mind specifically only to the subject of sexual sin. It's like, to, are you being tempted? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not having any issues with sexual sin. No, 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 no. Temptation is more than that. And so what I want to do this week is do a couple, a couple of things we're striving to do this week. I've already given you some assignments. Yes, I want you to look up Bible dictionaries and what they have to say about temptation. Yes, I want you to do a simple, basic word study on the word temptation. Yes, I want you to have that basic understanding and, 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 oh, and understanding. I want you to have that kind of an overview of what it's all about. I definitely want you to do that. But what I want to try to really demonstrate is the reality of temptation showing up in many different ways, coming in many different forms, approaching things from from many different perspectives so that you can see that, so that you can recognize it, so that you can be warned of it. And that's my um, iPad sending me notifications from the Edify Christian podcast app of all of these podcast episodes that are dropping. It's just it's just all day, all day. I, it, it probably would drive you crazy. in some ways I love that because it's just like, "Oh, another Christian podcast app. Another Christian podcast is available. Another Christian podcast is available." It's just amazing how much is available to us. See, I'm going to I'm I'm being tempted to now focus on that instead of what I'm supposed to be talking about. I'm sorry. That's that's bad about having distractions in front of you. Yeah. One of the good things to do when you're doing Bible study, turn off all of your distractions, okay? Uh, yeah, I need, I'm preaching that to myself. But I really want us to see temptation in a much more broader way. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're not going to talk about temptation as it relates to sexual sin. Obviously, the text is going to lead us there. But I think there are temptations occurring. There's at least a couple of temptations occurring way before we even get to that one. And that gets overlooked. And so it's like, oh, we're going to be in Genesis 39. Oh, we're going to talk about sexual sin today. Well, no, we're not. We're gonna gonna work through this carefully and I want you to consider temptation in light of other things, not just in, uh, I want you to consider temptation not just in light of sexual sin. I want you to consider it in other areas as well. And I think the text really gives us that opportunity to do so. Does that make sense? Again, I'm asking as if you can answer. I hope it makes sense and hopefully this will be uh, beneficial for Everyone. Okay, so let's do this. Let's set up, and I, I would like to do this. I, I, we may. I don't know how well we'll do this this week, but we're going to do this today. All right. I want to first present to you, in a sense, the biblical standard. What 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 the Bible wa- calls for us to our. The, the way the Bible calls us to live and how the uh, the Bible calls us to, to handle our emotions and attitudes. I want us to give us a biblical standard, all right? So, if, because here, this is very important. If we're gonna talk about temptation, temptation, as defined right here in a Bible dictionary, temptation is an enticement or invitation to sin. Temptation is an enticement. It's an invitation to to do something, to think, to act in a way that is not consistent with the biblical standard. All right. So, that, and I hopefully nothing goes wrong because I just got a notification that our studio software is being updated and it's telling me to restart. But I'm not going to restart. I'm going to resist that. Okay. But biblical temptation. They understand to understand temptation. It is an enticement. It's an invitation to go against the biblical standard. Listen in thought, in word in action, and attitude, right? So temptation is any attempt, any invitation to persuade you, to invite you, to, in a sense, seduce you over to violating God's standard in thought, in word, in action, and in attitude. I really want you to see that. And I think we have... I, I, something, well, let's just look at a biblical standard here. So, let's look at the biblical standard, and then we'll see how this applies to the beginning of Genesis 39. Wow, I, I'm i getting uh so many distractions as I'm trying to simply teach the Bible. It, is that not, don't you hate when that happens in your life, right? You, I, I want to do, I want to spend some time in Bible study, and then everything around you starts trying to interfere. Is that not frustrating? Okay, right, so, all right, let, let's continue. Here we go. Biblical standard. Go to Ephesians four. Go to Ephesians four. And I know this is gonna be like a little bit of a different approach, but that's okay. Ephesians four. Here we go. Biblical standard. Ephesians four, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. All right, so here's the biblical standard get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all uh, wrath. Get rid of all anger and all uh, clamor and all evil speaking and and put it away. Get rid of it and all malice. Get rid of all of it. Just get rid of all of it. That's the biblical standard. Let's continue. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him, Peter coming to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, uh, not I say not unto thee seven times, but uh, until seventy times seven. The biblical standard is forgive and keep forgiving over and 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 over again. That's the biblical standard. Don't just forgive once. Don't just forgive twice. Continue to forgive. Have an attitude of continual forgiveness for the people who sin against you. That is the biblical standard. Put away malice. Put away anger. Put away wrath. Put away contention. Put away all of that. Forgive others. This is the biblical standard. Let's continue. Uh, Hebrews, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I, have to, I keep moving away from the microphone. I apologize. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, because I'm looking down at my journal where I have all of the references written down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Here, let's go back to verse 14. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Try to, try to be at peace with all men. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The biblical standard is do not allow bitterness to enter and take over your life. So get rid of wrath, anger, malice, contention. Live peaceably with people. Get rid of bitterness. Forgive others. This is the biblical standard. Colossians 3 8. Go to Colossians 3:8. We can look up all kinds of passages saying basically very similar things, but you're getting the idea, I think. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. Colossians 3:8. But now ye also put off all of these anger, wrath, malice blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So you're getting rid of anger, wrath, malice. You're, you're, you're avoiding all of those things. That's the biblical standard. That is how you are to live your life. You are to continually walk in your life with an attitude of forgiveness, of peace, of love, no wrath, no anger, no bitterness, all of that is just gone from your life. You are forgiving, 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 forgiving. They sin against you, boom, you forgive. They for, they sin against you, you forgive. That is the way you are to live your Christian life. That is what you're called to do. But we know, we all know, I know, you know, that we find ourselves in situations continually where we are enticed, we are tempted To go against that biblical standard in our thoughts and our words and our actions and in our attitudes. We all know that in Genesis 39, way before Joseph faces the temptation of a man's wife saying, Hey, come, come, come with me. Let's, let's have physical relations. Way before that occurs, way before that happens, I think there was another situation that can give us a lot of insight into, well, that temptation goes beyond just physical relations, right? I, I think you know what I'm referring to. Go to Genesis 39 and you'll see. Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Stop right here. Now, if we go back to Genesis 37, we know exactly what happened. Joseph was the favorite son. He had a coat of many colors. He had dreams. Next thing you know, He keeps talking, he keeps speaking, he keeps saying things, whether he's saying things that he should or how we could talk all day in regards to what Joseph does there. But put it this way, we know this, his brothers are becoming more and more angry with him every time he opens his mouth. They're becoming more and more upset, more and more anger, their, their anger continues to grow. Envy begins to occur. They are not happy with their brother, Joseph, all right? Joseph's brothers are not happy. So they plot and they come up with an idea. You know what we're going to do? We're going to kill him. We're so upset. We're so angry. We're so mad. We're so filled with bitterness, anger, and wrath. Yeah, they clearly are, they fall into all of those sins that they decide, you know what? We're going to kill him. But instead of killing him, they throw him in a pit and then they decide to take him out of the pit and then they sell him into slavery. So one day, Joseph is the favorite son in the family. Everything is wonderful. Everything's great. He's walking around in a coat of many colors. Everything's wonderful. He's sent to go check on his brothers. So he goes to check on his brothers and everything changes literally just overnight. Next thing you know, he's a slave. He goes from favorite son to a slave overnight. So now when we go into Genesis 39, here's Joseph and he's being brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought, him, bought, brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. Turn the page again, and the, and it was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So he's now a slave in Egypt. He goes from favorite son to a slave in Egypt. Now, once that occurs, well, there's going to be some temptations there. And we, and we can, we just, we just kind of go right past this because we want to get to the scandalous thing. Ooh, sexual sin. Okay. Everybody wants to run to that. No, not, I'm in no way, shape or form undermining the importance of talking about sexual sin. It's just sometimes we elevate sexual sin to like, that's the one sin and other sins are just kind of overlooked and ignored but we can't overlook the other ones. So here's what I want you to consider, right? There's the biblical standard, right? There's the biblical standard. And immediately Genesis 39 presents possible temptation to Joseph. And this temptation arises really from two major sources. Are you ready? First, he has the temptation to respond in a sinful way, in an ungodly way, as a result of the actions of other people. On any given day, you will face and experience the actions of other people. And every action that is brought to you by other people, every action can be a source of temptation if their action entices you or, or tries to push you to react in a way that does not meet God's biblical standards in thought, word, action, or attitude. Every day you're, you're, you're confronted with someone's actions, someone someone's actions, someone's words. In other words, you have to deal with people every single day. Sometimes it's in your own house. You wake up, you're doing something, your spouse walks in the room, whether it's the husband or whether it's the wife, they say something, maybe they say something in a mean way, they say something in an unkind way, maybe they just act like a jerk, and at that very moment, temptation has been presented to you. How are you going to respond? Oh, you're going to talk to me that way? So instead of responding with a soft answer, which turns away wrath, you respond anger. You, You respond hatefully. You respond Critically, you're immediately, you, you're you in the kitchen, you're trying to get ready for the day and then your kids are doing who knows what kind of craziness and you immediately wanna respond with anger. Stop it. You, you lose your patience. See, every day you are confronted with the actions of other people. Joseph, his ex- everything he is experiencing is a result, humanly speaking, okay, that, that, that's a whole different subject here in a minute, Humanly speaking, he goes from favorite son to slave as a result of the actions of his brothers who put him in a pit and then sold him as, as a result of the actions of a culture that allows the purchasing and selling of human beings, okay? He, he is in Egypt because that person purchased him. He, everything happening to Joseph is a result of the actions of other people. And immediately you are tempted to respond in way, especially if you don't like the actions. You have a there is a temptation to respond with bitterness, with wrath, with anger. Maybe to seek vengeance. Maybe to to, to get revenge, to to get payback. You're, you're 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 he is tempted immediately here to respond in an ungodly way. I mean, uh, what would you be doing? I mean, look, we, we sometimes sanitize these stories in such a way that we destroy them. Well, I don't know how about you. Say, I went from favorite son and now I'm a slave. Well, I don't know how about you. I would be filled with a lot of anger, a lot of wrath, a lot of bitterness. And I don't know if I would really give a care about doing, who cares if I please this new slave, my slave owner, who cares? I think I would have been more like, I'm just looking for a way to escape. I'm looking a way to get back to my brother. I'm a way to get back to my father. Because when my father finds out what my brothers did to me, they're going to get punished. They're going to get there. I would have been like, I don't think I would have been concerned like, well, how good of job am I doing here? I, I, I wouldn't have been. There's a temptation there. There is a temptation there that everyone goes to the sexual sin. But what about this one? What about this one? This is a serious, powerful one that we experience every day. No, you may not experience someone selling you into slavery, throwing you into a pit, wanting to kill you, but you will experience the unpleasant attitudes and actions of other people. Maybe you will experience really severe, really bad actions of other people, really horrible ones, maybe in a tragic way, or it may be things that are much smaller, but how do you respond? you're going to be tempted there's a source of temptation think of it uh, and i know this is you may not think of you may not think of it this way but i want you to consider this every interaction with anyone and everyone friend family neighbor stranger coworker boss doesn't matter every interaction with people is a temptation that can entice you to respond in thought, word, action, or attitude in a way that is not consistent with the biblical standard, where you're supposed to love, you're supposed to forgive, you're not supposed to have wrath and anger. none None of that is supposed to be true, but every interaction is a possible source of temptation he's had to deal with all of these th- these people now how is he going to respond right so there's so the first temptation really in genesis 39 is the temptation of these people's actions towards joseph how is he going to respond to them there's a second source of temptation here he goes from the favorite son in genesis 37 and now he's he's been brought down to egypt from there, uh, he's been bought uh, by uh, the, the, a slave master from Egypt. The Egyptian has bought him from the Ishmaelites. He's now brought into Egypt and now he is uh, he's in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So he goes from favorite son to slave inside. Uh, he's not at home anymore. He's not in his home. He's not with his family. He's now been moved and now he's in this situation. First, we have the temptation of the actions of other people. And the second source of temptation, listen, is our circumstances. Every action of every interaction with other people is a source of temptation. And every circumstance you find yourself in is a source of temptation because it can entice you, it can call for you, to react to that circumstance, listen, in a way that is not consistent with God's standard in thought, in word, in action, and in attitude. Every circumstance you find yourself, you're gonna find yourself in circumstances this week that you're gonna be like, okay, how am I gonna, res-? are you gonna respond with frustration, with anger, with bitterness, with discouragement, with depression? How are you going to respond to those circumstances? Every interaction with people is a source of temptation. Every circumstance, there is a temptation within it. How are you going to respond to it? Now, what's fascinating here is Joseph is dealing with these circumstances. He's dealing with the actions of everyone, but look at look at the way the text reads. The text doesn't, I wish the text would give us some insight into how Joseph was thinking. I don't know how he's thinking. But we can get, we kind of get an idea and how he responds to this. All right. Now the Lord was with Joseph. We'll, we'll save that for later. Just stay with me. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of the master of, of his master, the Egyptian. It sounds like Joseph is there, and he's just well, he's doing the work of a slave. He's and God is prospering his work well that another everything Joseph does turns out good it seems to benefit his master in other words Joseph now goes from the favorite son to now being someone who is doing what he can and actually benefiting the one who now purchased him and owns him the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over the house and all that he had he put in his hand. Now he, he's, he's serving in such a Great capacity and being so blessed in everything that he's doing that he's now being placed in charge over everything. Hey, hey, I'm your master, but you're in charge of over all of this. You continue to do what you're doing because it's continuing to prosper, which is blessing me. I'm benefiting from it. In other words, Joseph was in a horrible circumstance, and instead of being discouraged and just not, I'm not. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. He seems to be doing everything he, he can do to bring as much blessing to his master as possible, which just seems absolutely bizarre to me, all right? Verse 5, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him oversee in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Joseph is just like, because of Joseph, the, the slave owner is just getting blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed, and it's wonderful, it's wonderful. And Joseph is the reason for it. In other words, Joseph is not allowing how other people treated him. He's not allowing how his, the, the, his current circumstances to be, now he's just going to walk around bitter, hateful, angry, discouraged, depressed. I'm not going to do anything and just be basically a, a source of trouble. No, 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 no. He doesn't approach it in any way. He doesn't approach it that way in any way, shape, or form. Which should convict us all. And and then the master he leaves all that he had in Joseph's hands and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. In other words, he he gives Joseph so much control that he doesn't even know anymore what he has or doesn't have. He's like, Joseph's gonna take care of it all. In other words, Joseph earns complete trust. Here, take it. You 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 have everything. I just make sure I got my daily bread, and you're in charge of everything else. That's how much Joseph was blessed, but it just shows his attitude in it. He's not moping around, complaining, grumbling, frustrated, angry. Now, I don't know what was going on in his mind, but at least in his outward actions, he just seems to be like, hey, this guy's great. This guy's awesome. You're in charge of everything. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Clearly, he doesn't seem to be grumbling and just... No, he seems to be like, he's welfare. Everybody seems to like Joseph. Joseph is amazing. Joseph is great. Hey, Joseph is awesome. Now, Joseph is not at home. Joseph is in a bad situation, but he's living out his life, serving God and glorifying God in the midst of it. In other words, Joseph resisted the temptation to respond to the actions of others and to the circumstances in a way that would make him bitter, hateful, unforgiving. He seems to have just moved on completely, which is absolutely amazing. The, I want you to see every circumstance, every interaction, there's a temptation just sitting there waiting, 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 waiting. You go to work, your boss comes in, just maybe ticked off, says something to you, and you're, you, you just you start getting mad, and I'm sick of this place, and I'm tired of these people. And all of a sudden it just starts building up. And maybe when you go home for the day after work, you just start venting. You just start ranting about everything and you're mad about this and mad about that. You've allowed that circumstance now, you've allowed that interaction to now become a source of now you are filled with bitterness and wrath and anger and frustration and discouragement. It became a source of temptation to you. I wanna state it again. Every interaction with people and every circumstance, there is temptation. It can be a good interaction. There could be a source of temptation there. It could be a good situation. There could be a source of temptation there. Every interaction, every circumstance. Every interaction, every circumstance. I want you to just think right now of recent interactions that proved to be a source of temptation, and you ended up responding to that interaction in an ungodly, sinful way. I want you to identify what that, inter- who was the interaction with? What happened? And what did you do? And then write down the Bible verse that would show you that your, your reaction to that interaction was ungodly. Then I want you to think of a recent circumstance. Now, it, it could be a good, listen, it could be a good interaction, but you something you responded in a way that turned it out to be sinful, right? I've given you some biblical standards. We could we could look. A, I mean, there, you 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 got to think of the biblical standard which you possibly violated. But it, w- what circumstance? What circumstance did you find yourself? Interactions, circumstances. That, that's our, That's your entire life. Think of it. That's your. That's that's every day, interactions and you 're you 're involved in some some kind of circumstance happening something is happening something is going on. How do you respond to them? How do you respond to them so here 's what we have. We have the biblical standard, and we have the temptation provided to Joseph through the actions of other people and circumstances he He could have He could have responded with anger and bitterness towards his brothers. He could have responded anger and bitterness towards God. I want you to think of that. And he could have responded with anger and bitterness with this situation. He could have responded with being angry and bitter and unforgiving towards his brothers. He could have responded to being angry and bitter towards his situation. He could have responded and been angry and bitter and upset with the one who bought him as a slave with his master. And he could have been very frustrated and upset, upset with God. You see that there, there's, there was, the temptation is all over there. Not only did the interactions and the circumstances be a source of temptation, he could have then expressed his sin towards, towards his brothers, towards his master, towards the situation, or towards God. We, we, listen, if you don't think you're ever tempted to get frustrated and upset with God, then I'm sorry, you you are either living in denial um, or you've never had a bad situation, but you can go through some situations and you're like, God, why, 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 why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this? They're a source of temptation. Now, Joseph doesn't seem to fall into any of that. He seems to rise above it. And I'm just going to throw out some possible ways in which these kinds of situations, these kinds of issues can be resisted biblically. Obviously, whenever situations, whenever people's actions against us are hurtful, painful, hateful, I mean, just absolutely not acceptable, whenever people react against us, the one thing we are called to do, and we've already looked at it, we are called to respond with forgiveness. Forgiveness. We are to respond with an attitude, not of forgiveness once, but a constant attitude of forgiveness over and over and over and over and over. We are called to respond. like The only way, look, if you don't respond with forgiveness, you will find yourself in possession of anger, wrath, and bitterness. It's that simple. If you do not respond to the interactions of other people with forgiveness, you're going to find yourself filled with bitterness and anger and wrath because people will constantly do things to you that you don't like and make you angry and make you upset. You've got to respond with a constant forgiveness, not just once, not just twice, over. Lord, how many times do I forgive? seven times seven. No, far more than that. You just keep forgiving. You just keep forgiving over, over and over and over and over. And the more you forgive, then you will avoid bitterness, wrath, anger, malice. That will, you, that's the protection from anger, wrath, and all of those other negative attitudes is forgiveness. That's, that's the protection. That's the biblical way. Now, we don't have anything here with Joseph saying, oh, I've completely forgiven you. We don't have anything with Joseph saying that, but I'm saying his actions demonstrate that he's not being filled with these other things. And the only way for you to avoid being filled with those other things is through forgiveness. And we see how he handles his brothers when you get to the end. All right, you you can read the end of of the book and see how it all plays out. Forgiveness. Second way that you can Now, remember, you've got to resist the temptation in regards to how you respond to the interaction with other people. And you've also got to consider how you respond to the circumstances. Now, Joseph's response to the circumstance is to me absolutely just, the more I keep reading Genesis 39. In fact, I think the more I read it this week, the more this is just going to jump out at me. He doesn't seem to do anything to change the circumstance. He doesn't like, okay, I'm going to try to escape. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to say, Hey, my brother sold me. This is not right. Can, can you send a messenger to my father? He'll, he'll pay you money. And he does, there's no, there's nothing in the narrative of Joseph doing anything to get out of the situation. I'm not saying that he didn't because we don't know, but that's speculation from the text, from the text. He doesn't do anything. Why not? It's almost as if. He sees God in the situation. This is very important. The way to avoid, to, the way to resist temptation in regards to interactions with other people, especially if they're negative, okay? We haven't really talked about a good interaction with other people, but if it's a negative interaction is you have to respond with forgiveness. That's, that's just, that's your protection against wrath, anger, bitterness is you have to forgive. But when it comes to negative circumstances, the only thing to help you resist the temptation of responding to those negative circumstances with grumbling and complaining and anger and bitterness and wrath, pretty much directed towards God, is you have to accept and acknowledge and see God in it. Now, now this, this, this is a dangerous, this is a double-edged sword because the more you see God in it, the more you may be tempted to become frustrated with God, but you have to accept you. In other words, you don't just think I just randomly got put in this circumstance for no rhyme or reason. And this circumstance is garbage. And you start grumbling about the circumstance. You have to stop and go, wait a minute. God has placed me in this circumstance. Now, you you may be tempted immediately to get upset with God, and I understand that, but you have to at least start with seeing God in it. Let let me give you uh, two very important scriptures. One, I think you probably know where we're going. We're gonna go to the book of Job because it's just a very important passage here. And Job chapter one, we see all of these horrible things come upon Job. There's death, there's destruction, economic loss, loss of loved ones. It's just an absolute devastating list of destruction that comes upon Job. And after all of this destruction, after all of this death, after all of these horrible things that occur, Job 1.20, The jo- then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground. Now, please note, in no way, shape, or form should anyone ever tell you that you cannot grieve, you cannot be upset. No one is pretending that you just accept horrible things and go, well, you know, no big deal. I know that in the story of Joseph, we don't see his emotion, but just want you to know that Job, he rents his mantle, shaves his head, and falls down on the ground. So he's expressing his, his grief. He's expressing his emotion. It's okay to express it, but look what he does. He doesn't fall down on the ground and yell and scream and grumble and complain and go on a full-blown rant. No, he falls on the ground and worshiped. He fell down and worshiped God But it's not that, listen, this is amazing. He worships God, even though he acknowledges the following. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job sees God's hand And the tragedy that God had taken it away. That God was somehow involved in the situation. But he did not respond to God being involved in the situation with anger, wrath, discouragement, frustration. He responded to that fact with worship. When you find yourself in a horrible circumstance. You may be tempted to respond with anger and wrath and frustration and discouragement and depression. But you've got to stop and go, God gives, God takes away. God is somehow involved in this circumstance. Doesn't mean you have to like the circumstance. Doesn't mean you have to walk around going, it's wonderful, it's great. No, you may have to rip your clothes, shave your head and fall on the ground. But you worship God knowing the sovereign God is involved in some way, shape or form. Whether it's good or bad. Another scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter one, verse 11. Speaking of uh, speaking of Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance because we're in Christ. We being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God works all things after the counsel of his own will. You may not like it, But if you will see God in it and you will accept it and just worship God in spite of it, you can be protected and you can resist the temptation of responding to the circumstance with grumbling, complaining, bitterness, anger, wrath, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You listen, you, you are, you will be protected from negative reactions from people if you will respond with forgiveness, you will be protected from negative circumstances. If you respond with an acknowledgement of God's involvement and you will worship him. Now, I, now listen, the minute you acknowledge God's involvement, it can become a source of temptation because you may get frustrated, but that's why you, all you can do is worship and go, you're God and I'm not. God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's in charge, it's not me. Now, be fair. Job gets frustrated. Job gets very, very, very upset as you work through the book. And by the time he gets to the end, he's got questions for God. But he finally, he he still humbles himself and finally accepts God is God and I'm not. Another way to resist this temptation. So we we resist with forgiveness. We we, We resist by seeing the hand of God in all circumstances. And then, oh, this one is convicting. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last you care of me hath flourished again doing all things through Christ there is referring to being content in all situations. We have to respond to our circumstances with contentment. So how do we resist the temptations presented to us in Genesis 39? We respond with forgiveness. Hey, Joseph, your brothers garbage what they did to you. Hey, you've just been purchased as a a piece of property by a slave owner. That's not good. It just seems like he just lets it all go, forgiveness. And then, by the time he gets to the, we get to the end of the book, he responds to his brother with love, brothers with love, compassion, and he provides for them. He cares for them. He doesn't take, he doesn't seek revenge. That, that's that's amazing. That's that's forgiveness. If he would not have been responding with forgiveness by the time he got, you get to the end of Genesis, he would not respond with forgiveness. He would respond with bitterness and anger and vengeance. That, for, that forgiveness has been present, obviously, from Genesis 39 all the way through in some way, shape, or form. You got to respond to the negative uh, interactions with people with forgiveness. Next, you have to see God in all circumstances and worship him. You got to see God is sovereign in all circumstances. Listen, this is so important. We have to see God in the circumstance, not simply looking to God to get us out of the circumstance. See, what we want is, okay, God, I see you. Get me out of it. No, no, no. How about God? What do you want me to do in it? You put me in it. I see that you did. What do you want me to do in it? That, that's, just, that's, that's the first question. That's the first statement you should always say. God, you put me in this. What do you want me to do in it? Not get me out of it. And so, what did Joseph do? Joseph has been completely betrayed by his brothers. He's so he went from a favorite son to a slave. And guess what he does as a slave? Okay, I'm going to be the best slave I can be. And I'm going to bring blessing to my slave owner. And that's what he does. I know that seems absolutely goes. There's, I know, every, I I can't, I can't speak for you. Everything in me rises up and go, Joseph, come on. Have a little bit of backbone. Don't just give in and serve the slave owner. That's wrong. That's injustice. Fight against it. Sneak out at night. Escape. Do, but no, he's like, he serves God. The, the slave owner benefits from owning Joseph. That's insane. (laughs) So Joseph doesn't look to get out of it. He realizes, God, you put me in it. What do you want me to do in it? He's like, that's what you, and no matter the circumstance you find yourself, no matter how bad, no matter how good, what would God want me to do in this circumstance? Well, we always know, glorify him, serve him, minister to other people. Think of other people before yourself. Turn the other cheek, forget. You know what you're called to do, but we want out of it. We, it's bizarre. We tend to see God as a way out of negative circumstances. We rarely see God as the one whom we should serve in the negative circumstances. We see God, God is only there not to say, oh, oh God, I'm supposed to serve you in the negative circumstance. No, God is the one who's supposed to deliver me from it. Joseph doesn't seem to look for deliverance. He looks for obedience to God in it. He sees God's hand in it, and then we must respond to everything, the negative interactions of people and negative circumstances with godly contentment, with godly contentment that I am going to be content in it. Why am I going to be content in it? God placed me here, and that God is going to use this for his purpose and his glory, and I apologize if you heard my stomach growling, but uh, yeah, it's a It's an afternoon, and I'm I'm hungry, but you know what? I'm gonna focus on God's word right here. All right. That's that's so let's go through this again. The biblical standard is given to us in Ephesians 4, Matthew 18, Hebrews third, or Hebrews 12, and Colossians 3. No anger, no wrath, no contention, no malice. It's that's not that's not the way we respond. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness it's peace. It's no bitterness. That, that's, that's what we're called to do. That's the biblical standard. And immediately, boom, we are confronted with two things that can tempt us to go against those standards. Circum, or the interactions with people and negative circumstances. Negative interactions with people and negative circumstances. I'm gonna go with the negative. I just want you to realize positive interaction and positive circumstances, there's still sources of temptation linked with those as well, all right? There's still possible temptation. Again, I want you to see temptation is any enticement for you to go against God's standard, standards and thought, word, action, and attitude. Temptation is any enticement for you to go against God's standard in thought, word, action, or attitude. I want you to, that's going to be the de, working definition we're going to use because I think it's so important. I want you to just see that. I want you to see every interaction today. Every interaction. I'm telling you, there's a temptation waiting. There's a temptation waiting. Sooner or later today, someone in your family is going to say something to you and you're, oh, you're going to snap back. You're, you're gonna wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't no no anger, no wrath. How about how about respond with a soft answer? How about turn the other cheek? No, 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 no. I'm not, I, I'll turn the other cheek after I've beaten them on the floor and they're unconscious, not, not literally, but I'm saying verbally, you, after I destroy them, then I'll turn the other cheek because I'm gonna turn the cheek to walk away and leave them laying bloodied and beaten on the floor. Not again, literally, but figuratively because we tend to destroy people with our words. But those interactions all day, all day. It could be a wife, spouse, friend, neighbor, church member, pastor how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to those negative interactions today? There's gonna be temptation. All right, Uh, someone's asking, okay, our definition, all right, our definition, uh, someone in the live chat just asked me to give the definition. My definition is going to be this week is that temptation is any enticement for us to go against God's standard and thought, Word, action, or attitude. Any enticement for you to go against God's standard. So you've got it. So that means you have to know God's standard first. And then any enticement for you to go against that standard in thought, word, action, or attitude attitude. I, I keep stressing the attitude. I know you're probably saying action indeed, but I want attitude there because I think attitude is really important because in Genesis 39, it's Joseph's attitude and his actions that are just amazing. I'd be sitting around like uh, my slave owner, if, the, if my brothers did that to me and I was a slave, my, that slave owner would be like, this, this slave is garbage. He's not worth the money I paid for him. We're going to beat him and we're going to kill him or we're going to send him back because I would just be like, I would just be, I would be, I'd be horrible to be around. I wouldn't be worried about blessing my slave owner. I'd be like, I want to get back at my brothers. And why did you buy me, you piece of garbage? I, I, that's what I would be doing. So temptation is any, any enticement to go against the, God's standard in thought, how we think, words, what we say, actions, what we do, and attitudes, How we feel. And Genesis 39, I know everybody wants to get to the sexual sin. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen, I know. Hey, there's his wife and she's telling, hey, Joseph, come with me. Come on, come on. Let's, let's go. Let's go to the bedroom. Everybody's like, ooh, scandalous. I, I understand that. I understand that that's the, that's the, 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 the thing that will get all of the attention and get all of the downloads, right? If, if, I, if I do a sermon series on temptation for sexual sin, I'll get far more downloads than if I talk about the temptation of, I don't know, interactions with people and negative circumstances. People are like, okay, well, that doesn't sound very exciting. How about the sexual sin? Now, I understand, we'll get to that. But Genesis 39 starts with Joseph's actions here towards his slave owner. And it's just absolutely baffling to me. So let me end with this, all right? And I apologize for all the distractions that happened in the (laughs) live episode. I've been so worried because I'll just describe the scene. Here to my left is my laptop. All of a sudden, this this gray bar popped up uh, across a good portion of the screen. And it says, a new update is available. Please restart to get the latest version. Well, I'm glad they're doing an update. But then there's a big button here that says restart and I'm like at any I was waiting for a clock to show up going to, going to restart in 10 seconds going to restart in 3 minutes. I was so worried that this whole episode was going to get ba- destroyed which makes me mad because I think we're talking about some very, very 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 important stuff and I'm sitting there worried about it's going to be all messed up which probably negatively impacted the teaching but hopefully the teaching was still valuable in spite of it. So that just oh, drives me Crazy when that is going on. But so let's do this again. Today, I want you to think about the last negative interaction you had with someone and how you responded. I, I know I said negative or positive. Just let's focus on the negative for, for for today. Just I want you to think of the last negative interaction you had. Could be a family member, a kid, anybody. How did you respond? How did you respond to that temptation? Come on, you can be honest. Did you smart off? Did you talk back? Were you rude, condescending, sarcastic, hateful? Did you go for the throat, verbally speaking? Did you seek to destroy them? Or did you walk away? And in your mind, you were like, that, pe- that person's a piece of garbage. And, um, uh, and you just, uh, and who knows? How did you respond? And then the last negative circumstance. Maybe you're in a negative circumstance today. How did you respond to that negative circumstance? Remember, the way to respond to this kind of temptation is you respond to negative interaction with forgiveness. You forgive and you forgive and you forgive and you forgive. Now, I'm not saying if they commit a crime against you, you don't go to the police. Now, I'm not saying you, obviously, if crime is occurring, I'm saying that in normal interactions, we respond with forgiveness. If you don't respond with forgiveness, you'll be in full possession of bitterness, anger, wrath, and you're, you're gonna destroy yourself, all right? Next, you've got to see God in your circumstance. Now, I know that that's dangerous because it can make you bitter, but you've just got to respond. You see, God, you're in it. I'm gonna worship you, and this is most important. You seek to serve God in it. You don't seek God to remove you from it. That's hard to do. You're like, get me out of this situation. There are plenty of days, I, I could take you to Dias Air Force Base to the seventh medical group where I spent a good portion of my adult life in that hospital. And I could, I could point to places where there were days I was literally just like, I hate this. I hate this. I want out of this. I can't stand this. I want, I, I'm going to just, I'm going to do something to get myself kicked out. I'm tired of the military. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of these people. And I didn't respond in godly ways. I wanted out of it. Now, some cases I was able to correct my path and make and handle myself in a godly way and try to fix it. I, de- I mean, obviously I, I made p- millions of mistakes somehow. life. There's been plenty of times, even in the ministry, there's times like, forget it. I'm tired of the ministry. I'm sick of people. I'm sick of Christians. I'm sick of the church. I'm sick of everything. I know, don't sit there and go, <gasps> because you've probably responded to circumstances the same way. I got to see, God, you, I, I'm in it. This is where you put me. Now, what can I do in it? All I can do is focus on serving God. I can't focus on fixing everything else. Joseph doesn't seem worried about fixing his circumstance. He seems to be worried about serving God. What what are you more concerned about? Fixing your circumstance or glorifying God? I don't know about you. I always want my circumstance fixed, right? You know what I'm worried about more right now? I'm more worried about the fact that I'm starving to death and I, my stomach is about to crawl out of my body and I need food. But see, what I should be more worried about is, well, glorifying God and whatever I do. See, it's, it, that, That's a small thing, but you, you see it. And then contentment. We have to gain godly contentment. The only way you gain godly contentment is you seek to, that you, you you accept God's sovereignty in it. There you have it. There's Genesis 39. Now that brings us to, let's go back to Genesis 39 really quick. That gets us down to verse seven. And then we know what happens in verse seven. And it came to pass after these things. So after Joseph has been doing everything wonderful, all of these blessings, he's put in charge of everything. Joseph is the man. Everyone loves him. Joseph is great. Then the next thing you know, well, his, his, slave, his slave owner, his master's wife's like, yeah, he is pretty great. Hey, Joseph, come on. Come here, come here, come here, come here, Joseph. And then she says, lie with me. Sexual sin. I just want you to see that there are other sins besides sexual sins. Anger, wrath, bitterness, envy, vengeance. All of those are are sins as well. Just for some reason, they don't seem to get the same oomph as a sexual sin. They don't seem to get the same passion and preaching against them. Not in all cases, but in many cases. So then we'll turn our attention next time, probably will be on Wednesday, um, to this subject of sexual sin. And I, I don't know, I don't know how, I don't, know how, how do we approach it? There's been so many attempts um, by the church to address it that I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever approached it in a decent way. I, I don't know. I don't know that we, we could get into all of the discussions about the church and, and this raises so many issues, but at least we, we'll look at it from a textual perspective first. I mean, Joseph's approach is pretty simple and we could, I mean, I could call into question his approach maybe, but, but we'll see. There's a lot there, but we we didn't even, I know there's a lot of bigger academic issues surrounding temptation that I've kind of pointed you to work on on your own, but I wanted to at least just look at temptation in a very practical way at the beginning of Genesis 39. And hopefully that's benefited someone. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to stop and restart this uh, software so that I can finally get the update so that this won't happen next time. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.